Bruno Fernandes is a star in the making. The elegance in his touch, movements, and overall technical ability should strike fear in Premier League and European rivals alike. The Portuguese man is looking to break the toxic nature the club has fostered since the departure of Sir Alex Ferguson and prove talented players can succeed at United. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this episode of My Sport in Two Languages with Sebastian Garay Ortega. Let's begin. Ollie's United and Mourinho's Spurs returned to action at the Tottenham Stadium on Friday. Who needed this one more? That was the question going into the contest. Well, that is a very difficult question to answer. United needed to win need United need to win once again to go equal on points with Chelsea for fourth place, the final Champions League spot available in the Premier League. However, Spurs were seven points back from Chelsea for fourth heading into the night. Clearly the task is more impossible for Tottenham, which is why I deemed them to be in a greater must win situation than United. Even with a United draw, they'd go two points back of Chelsea. So, the, so just to preface what I'm saying here is that even if United drew tonight, they'd be two points back. Only two points back, while Spurs would still be done by, by a substantial six points. So it was very crucial that a, that a victory, that Spurs achieved a victory tonight. And an, another thing that we should talk about is not just the fact that Spurs need this four Champions League spot, because they do, but also that... They Before the coronavirus pandemic, they were in a very bad spell. They were performing terribly in the Premier League. They got eliminated in shocking fashion against Norwich. They got eliminated in shocking fashion against RB Leipzig in the Champions League. So they needed to come out and prove that they were buying into Mourinho's philosophy, that Mourinho was actually improving the team, and that the team was going to start performing well. So let's get into the beginnings of the game and how... The contest transpired. Manchester United started off the game on the attack, led by the Portuguese midfield maestro Bruno Fernandes from the get-go, creating chances and playing dangerous balls while having a crack on goal every once in a while. Spurs were having difficulty creating anything for themselves, and everyone expected United to strike first. That is true. United were United were the better team in the beginning, and even. After the and even when the Tottenham goal came, it came out of nothing. They United were the better team, and that was basically all because of the the catalyst of that was the Portuguese man Bruno Fernandes. Despite this, however, Tottenham would draw first blood. Sure, most praise the strike as a world class hit, but I personally believe the goal is given too much credit. Sure, Steven Bergwijn made an excellent run towards the net, finished off by a rocket of a shot at De Gea, which found its way into the net. But when we dissect the lead up to the goal a little more, we find it wasn't as grand as we made it out to be. For one, English international Harry Maguire got turned inside out in an embarrassing manner, something that shouldn't happen to a 70 million pound defender. The defensive line was truly embarrassing, as this was the only real challenge Bergwijn faced on his way towards the net. Finally, he struck a, he struck a ball that was hard, yes, but right at the hair. A keeper at that level should be dealing with those types of balls. Nevertheless, it went in, and it was Spurs 1, United 0, in the 28th minute. Now, once again, I think two of the things we need to talk about, as I just discussed right there, is Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire is an English international 70 million pound defender, should not be getting turned out 
Like a Pancake by the Dutchman Steven Bergwijn. Even though he's very talented, there is no way Harry Maguire should be finding himself in that position. This was said by Roy Keane specifically, so I'm not I'm not like the on the first one that said it. If anything, I listened to Roy Keane, and I well, I mean anyone could see that play and know that the defensive line was Harry Maguire and the whole defensive line should be ashamed of themselves. There's no way he should be getting through that whole defense. But Roy Keane brought it up. It's terrible, and De Gea too. De Gea needs to be saving that. Okay, I think the goal was extremely. I think. Our loss of football has made us look at regular goals as amazing, and that's expected. We haven't seen football in a while, and we're excited to see it. But that goal wasn't amazing. I think that goal was just a hard-hit shot. That's what made it look nice. Sure, it was a very hard hit. I'll give him that. But right at the hay, I shouldn't be going in, and that's that. We wouldn't see another goal until the 81st minute, but that 81st minute, excuse me. But that didn't stop the brilliance of Bruno Fernandes from showing itself. United looked to have found the one this time, as the man from Sporting dazzled the empty stadium with his ability to create something out of nothing and play pinpoint passes we had not seen since the great Paul Scholes. Have they found their new Scholesy? Only time will tell. But the future looks bright. Another bright spot for the club is Paul Pogba, who, although not in the starting 11, was able to effectively come in late in the second half and cause havoc in midfield, ultimately winning United the penalty with a brilliant piece of footwork inside the box to beat Eric Dyer, dribbling it past him at the byline before being clumsily brought down by the Spurs defender. Bruno Fernandes would take the penalty and slot it into the bottom corner. All tied up, 1-1. Mason Greenwood would barely miss a chance that would have won it for the Red Devils in the 95th minute, and that would be an end, and that would and that would end an entertaining return to football for both sides. Tottenham can be happy with the fact they are truly beginning to become converted to Mourinho's philosophy, and demonstrated promise in their in their defensive shape and in their excellent deadly counterattack. United fans should have hope for the future as the midfield duo of Fernandes and Pogba are already causing havoc on the pitch, and they play together for less than a half. Most importantly, something feels different with this Manchester team from teams past, af- from teams past after the Ferguson era. So I'm talking about Moyes, Louis van Gaal, and Mourinho, and now Ali. I believe they'll truly begin performing at the level they did with Sir Alex Ferguson next year. I can't put my finger on it exactly, but a sort of swagger seems to have finally returned rightfully returned to the red side of Manchester. And that is the one of the biggest things I took out of this game is that a swagger return. I feel like a swagger is beginning to return. I look at this United team and it just strikes of course once again let's 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 put it out there as I said in the beginning the return of football has given us a want to become greater prisoners of the moment because we haven't seen it in such a long time. But this United team feels different. And maybe it is a stretch saying Bruno, Bruno Fernandes is the next Paul Scholes, the next Scholesy, because, you know, Paul Scholes was one of the best midfielders of his time. But I haven't seen the elegance in a Man United midfielder since Paul Scholes, even with Pogba. I have not seen that elegance, even with Pogba. Bruno Fernandes just looks so calm on the ball. But even if we take Bruno out of the equation, Wambisaka is looking to be an amazing right back, almost like an extremely upgraded version of Gary Neville in his day of some of I think he's going to be a very very solid right back for United in the future Luke Shaw is even though he struggled with injuries he looks like a solid player I think they could improve at left back but he looks like a solid player for the Red Devils he does what he needs to do he's good on the attack as well 
Harry Maguire, we need some. They need some improvement there. But I think I mean he was also caught flat-footed, and if anything, uh, Bergwijn knew that c- catching him flat-footed, he was going to beat him in pace any day of the week. Once again, not an excuse, but you got to look at it from that point of view as well. Marcus Rashford's going to be a club legend, I believe, and he's looking very, very solid as well. Mason Greenwood's another youngster who's promising, almost scored the winner as previously stated. Then we have Paul Pogba. Scott McTominay is looking like a beast. Scott McTominay, I feel like he, he could play center back, but I was reading something, and it's true. It would be wasting his potential a little bit. So I understand why they don't want to put him at center back. He's more obviously naturally a center defensive midfielder. And yeah, I feel like something's different about this United. And if they can keep on building on this and maybe get Sancho next year, or I don't think they're going to get him this year, but even next year, if they get him this year, watch out. Because this United team is going to be fun to watch, definitely. And let me tell you something, guys. A swagger is coming back. I feel it. It The the, the departure of Sir Alex Ferguson was most definitely difficult, and understandably. The end of an era is never easy for any team, but I feel like after the struggles with Moyes, the struggles with Van Gaal, the struggles with Mourinho, I think Oli, I don't think Oli's the one. I think he just got lucky. And I think we're going to start seeing a very, very solid United squad. If Paul Pogba stays, he has th- that combination, Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes, watch out. They just got re- to get a couple upgrades in some positions, and this could be a very, very dangerous team. I feel like I'm missing some players. Um, I feel like I'm missing some players that I haven't discussed. I know Rashford's up top, and then... Here, I could check right now. Let me just... I'm missing some solid players, clearly, that made a big impact into this game. Let me... Let's see, we're looking at the starting lineup. Oh, Fred, of course, I forgot about Fred. Daniel James and Martial. Martial had a couple chances. He had one chance where he cut out and shot it. Fingertip save, forcing a fingertip save by Loris. Daniel James didn't perform that well. I mean, it is a return, so I'm not going to judge him that much. He's a promising talent, though. Very, very promising talent. This is what I mean by the swagger. Fred. Fred is Fred is the perfect example of the swagger. Fred was having a very tough season, but for some reason, he's bounced back at the perfect time. And we have Fred, Pogba, Fernandez. I think that's the midfield of dreams right there. And that's where I think they could use McTominay as a center back. Or, I mean, even as McTominay as a center midfielder works, but... It's hard. I mean, McTominay's a center back, so solid. I mean, the guy's built like a truck, so he's gonna, you know, he's gonna, he he'll 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 defend. If there's anything, he'll defend, and he'll be a force at the back. And no, but definitely Fred is gonna be a top top center uh, center midfielder at the club. And yeah, Martial, I feel like if they give him time, not give him time, he's had a lot of time, but he's gonna start this swagger. I'm telling you, the swagger is gonna infest the whole squad. And that is my opinion on that. Watch out for Man United. The red side of Manchester finally may have awoken. Going over, to, going, going over excuse me, to La Liga action. Barcelona and Sevilla ended in a goalless draw, which will, be a, which will be of no hope to the Catalans, who would have been looking to once again go five points clear of Real Madrid. Messi created chances to the best of his ability, but wasn't able to create the magic he usually does. In my opinion, this is no fault of his own. The team around him hinders his ability to create chances and opportunities and perform at a high level for the club. Something that we have seen throughout the season, and especially in this game, is that Barcelona are, pro- are, proving, t- are proving to be in need of new stars at the club. Moreover, most of the first-team squad needs to be shown the door. A prime example? Rakitic. 
Sure, he did a lot for the club in the past, and he's a good guy, whatever you want to tell me, but he is no longer at the level he once was. The fact the club does not notice this is astonishing, and the fact that he refuses to consider leaving is even more surprising. Arturo Vidal is another one. Besides his experience, he is 33 years old and shows no signs of getting younger. More time is needed to be more time needs to be given, excuse me, to youngsters like Ricky Puig, and funds should be prioritized towards improving the midfield, something that is now difficult with the pandemic, of course. It's not even that funds I mean funds should be prioritized towards that, but even in La Masia, they should be looking at La Masia midfielders. Arturo Vidal and Rakitic need to they're no longer at the level they they once were. They once were they once were very good players, but now they're not at the level. They're very they're getting older. Barcelona needs new players desperately. They need Lautaro Martinez to come in soon. They need uh they Neymar would be exponentially positive for this club. Very very positive for this club. Defensively, they're they're all right. I think I think they're going to get they're getting better. They have a solid defensive line. I don't really think that's the problem. I think it's just tactically they still need to improve a little bit. But Suarez is also getting older in age. Midfield-wise, Sergio Busquets, no one's ever going to replace Sergio Busquets. And he's still at a good level. And Arthur, uh, Arthur, I don't really see it in him. De Jong, of course. De Jong and Busquets, are you can't replace him, but they need more depth. Depth, depth at the, at the squad level is needed at the club desperately. If Real Madrid is to win against Real Sociedad on Sunday, they would be tied for points at 65. However, Madrid would become first because the first contest between the two sides was a scoreless draw at the Camp Nou. My prediction, not only will Madrid win La Liga, but they will overturn their 2-1 first leg defeat to Manchester City in the Champions League, ultimately advancing to the final and winning their 14th European Championship. Bold take, but if anyone can do it, it's Madrid. Another team that's showing that swagger, that swagger since Cristiano left, is Madrid. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe Madrid are going to overturn their 2-1 leg defeat to Manchester City and win the and win the second leg at the Etihad. They're just looking different. They're looking unstoppable. Sure, if that Rodrigo goal had gone in in the Valencia game, it would have changed everything. But it didn't go in. They won 3-0, and they're looking very, very solid. At this point of the competition, it's who was able to come back amidst, uh, amidst this pandemic in best shape, and they're looking like the team. So I believe they'll come back going, uh, talking about the Champions League round of 16 predictions. Although the competition, of course, begins August 7th or restarts August 7th, I wanted to give you my predictions for the final four round of 16 competitions remaining in the Champions League. So Leon Juventus, of course, Leon won the first match 1-0 at the Groupama Stadium in France. I believe Leon will defeat Juventus 2-1 at the Juventus Stadium in the second leg, ending the tie 2-2 on aggregate, and the French club would advance on away goals, of course. That is one of the reasons why I love, I would love as a club to, even though it's a gamble, I love playing my first leg at home. Because if, of course, it's a gamble, I'm not saying it's not, but if you get to score one goal, or not even if you get to score one goal, if you get a scoreless draw or score one goal, and they don't score, most importantly, they, can, they can't score. And if you if you make them if you make sure they don't score, you go to their home. And if you score an away goal, they they automatically have to score two. Or if you won the first leg one nil and you score an away goal, they automatically have to score three because you have the away goal. That's why I love playing at home. It is a risk though; it's a gamble. But I digress. Leon will advance to the quarterfinals. 
Real Madrid will win the second leg 3-2, 4-4 on aggregate, and also advance on away goals. Now, if there's one thing City have always done when choking a Champions League lead, which isn't that uncommon, they did it against Monaco in 2017, I believe, it's that they always choke high... Like, they always score a lot of goals, and the other team scores a lot of goals, and they always choke, high, like, in a high-scoring contest. I believe Real Madrid are going to score, are going to win 3-2. They're going to strike them first. So it's gonna, I feel like it's going to be a repeat of the Tottenham game from last year, the second leg, except, of course, Manchester City are in the lead. I don't think that's going to make a difference. Real Madrid advance on away goals, 4-4 on aggregate. Bayern Munich, Chelsea, uh, Bayern Munich destroyed Chelsea in the first leg. I believe Bayern Munich is going to win the second leg 2-1 to one and advance 5-1 on aggregate. Of course, Bayern Munich plays the second leg in Germany at the Alliance Arena. Now, Napoli-Barcelona. Barcelona have the away goal thanks to Antoine Griezmann. Dries Merton scored the only goal for Napoli and their first leg contest in Naples. However, I believe Napoli will win the second leg 2-2 two two and 3-3 three three on aggregate with the Italian club advancing on away goals. This is a bold prediction, but Barcelona don't look solid. They look like they're continually lacking. They're continually depend on Messi, and Messi has no help in the chance creation, and the defense doesn't look that solid. So I believe it's going to be a high-scoring contest 2-2, 3-3 two two, three three on aggregate. The Italian, clubs, it, the Italian club excuse me, advances on away goals. Now, games to watch tomorrow. June 20th, Saturday, in the Premier League, Brighton Hope Albion versus Arsenal. Can Mikel Arteta's squad bounce back after their 3-0 defeat to City? And in La Liga, there's no Barca or Real, but two good games on the day, which you should be looking out for. With one of them being Atletic Bilbao facing Real Betis. Excuse me, with prominent players going at it, such as Iñaki Williams and Nabil Fekir. And Atletico Madrid versus Valladolid. Getafe also play tomorrow and are vying for that 4th place spot in La Liga. If Atletico are unable to win, Getafe will either draw on points or go ahead of Atletico by one point. We'll have to wait and see, but Getafe in the Champions League would be a sight to see. I'm rooting for Getafe, even though, obviously, I'm the one of the biggest fans of Simeone. Getafe in the Champions League would be wild. I mean, I, 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 I'm I, more rude for the fans. Um, If anything, my dad and I personally, we, well, especially for my dad, I get it, like, a, a love for the fan bases of small-based clubs. A love for, like, the fans of small clubs, basically, to, to put it simply. And, you know, they're the most loyal. I mean, like, they, they they follow their club through thick and thin. This is really thick and thin. This isn't Real Madrid not winning La Liga one year. This isn't not winning La Liga ever. So, definitely, I hope for their fans, they'll be able to see their team in the Champions League. It would be an amazing sight because we no longer see these small teams make it to the Champions League. So... Anyways, we're going to have to wait and see, but ladies and gentlemen, that is all the news I have for you today. Thank you for listening to this episode of My Sport in Two Languages. See you in the next episode. Bruno Fernandes es una estrella en ciernes. La elegancia en su tacto, movimientos y su capacidad técnica en general debe causar miedo en la Premier League y los rivales europeos por igual. El portugués está buscando romper la atmósfera tóxica que el club ha fomentado desde la partida, partida de ser Alex Ferguson y demostrar que jugadores talentosos pueden tener éxito en el United. Damas y caballeros, gracias por escuchar este episodio de Mi Deporte en Dos Idiomas con Sebastián Garay Ortega. Empecemos. El United de Ole 
Oliganasokshar, es decir, y los Spurs de Mourinho volvieron a la acción en el estadio Tottenham el viernes. ¿Quién, neces ¿quién necesitaba más esta victoria? Bueno, esa es una pregunta muy difícil de responder. United tiene que ganar para volver a ser iguales en puntos con Chelsea por el cuarto lugar, el último puesto de la Champions League. Sin embargo, Spurs estaban 7 puntos detrás del Chelsea por el cuarto lugar rumbo a la noche. Claramente, la tarea es más imposible para Tottenham, razón por la cual considere por razón por la cual considere, consideré perdón, que estaban en una situación más urgente que el, que el United. Incluso un empate del United solo los pondría a dos puntos detrás del Chelsea, mientras que Spurs todavía estarían abajo por seis puntos. Perdón, todavía estarían detrás del Chelsea por seis puntos. El Manchester United comenzó el juego en el ataque. Liderado por el maestro del mediocampo Bruno Fernández Creó oportunidades desde el primer minuto Jugando bolas peligrosas, peligrosas Y a veces tirándola al arco Al arco, perdón Spurs no pudieron crear nada para ellos mismos Y todos esperaban que United marcaría el primer gol A pesar de esto, sin embargo Tottenham marcó primero aunque la mayoría dicen que el gol de Steven Bergwijn era de categoría mundial, yo creo que fue un gol bien normalito, bien normal. Le están dando demasiado crédito al holandés, pero es normal porque no hemos visto fútbol en mucho tiempo. Entonces vamos a exagerar lo que de verdad no es tan bueno, es normal. Steven Bergwijn hizo una excelente carrera hacia, a, carrera hacia el gol y remató un cohete de un tiro a De Gea, que encontró su camino al arco. Pero cuando analizamos el camino hasta el arco un poco más, descubrimos que no era tan grande, que no era tan, tan, un gol tan excepcional como lo hicimos parecer. Para empezar, Harry Maguire dejó a Bergwijn pasarlo de manera, de manera bien fácil. Esto no, lo debe esto no le debe pasar a un defensor de 70 millones de euros. La línea defensiva era realmente espantoso, ya que Maguire fue el único desafío real que Bergwijn enfrentó en su camino hacia el arco. Finalmente, el tiro de Bergwijn sí era bien duro, pero no debió entrar. El tiro fue directo a De Gea, y un arquero de ese nivel no debe dejar una pelota tan fácil entrar. Sin embargo, entró. Spurs 1, United 0. No veríamos otro gol hasta el minuto 81, pero eso no impidió que la brillantez de Bruno Fernández se mostrará. United, United ha encontrado un crack. El portugués deslumbró el estadio vacío con su capacidad de crear algo de la nada y jugar pases que no habíamos visto desde el gran Paul Scholes. ¿Han encontrado su nuevo Scholesy? Solo el tiempo nos dirá, pero el futuro parece brillante. Otro punto brillante para el club es Paul Pogba, quien causó problemas en el mediocampo para el Tottenham en el segundo tiempo. Pogba llenó, llegó 
a ganar un penalti con un brillante regato en el área para vencer a Eric Dyer antes de ser derribado por el defensor de los Spurs. Bruno Fernández tomaría el penalti y lo colocaría en la esquina izquierda. 1-1 entre los dos equipos. Mason Greenwood apenas perdió una oportunidad que lo hubiera ganado el partido para los Red Devils en el minuto 95. Con eso terminó el encuentro 1-1 entre ambos equipos. Tottenham puede estar feliz con el hecho de que realmente están empezando a convertirse a, convertirse a la filosofía de Mauriño la promesa demostrada en su forma defensiva y en su excelente contraataque. Los aficionados del United deberían tener esperanza en el futuro, ya que el dúo de Fernández y Pogba ya está causando estragos en la cancha. Lo más notable es que algo se siente diferente con este equipo de Manchester. Creo que empezaron... que empezarán... Escúsenme a jugar al mismo nivel que lo hicieron con Sir Alex Ferguson el año que viene. Pero puede ser que, finalmente, un contoneo ha regresado al lado rojo de Manchester. Barcelona y Sevilla terminaron en un empate sin goles que no será de ninguna ayuda para los catalanes que habían estado buscando una vez más ir cinco puntos por delante del Real Madrid. Messi creó oportunidades al máximo de su capacidad, pero no fue capaz de crear la magia que normalmente hace. En mi opinión, no es su culpa. Sus compañeros tampoco lo ayudan. No encuentran espacios en la cancha para explotar. No, no lo ayudan en, en el sentido de que él es el único que está haciendo algo para el club. Que no algo para el club, pero en el ataque no hay nada que tenga... Bueno, nadie tiene las mismas ideas de Messi. Pero nadie que pueda crear algo por sí mismo. No existe en el equipo. Pero algo que hemos visto durante toda la temporada, y especialmente en este juego... Es que Barcelona está demostrando que necesita nuevas estrellas en el club. Además, la mayoría del primer equipo necesita que ne necesitan mostrarle la puerta a la mayoría del primer equipo. Un buen ejemplo, Ivan Rakitic. Claro, hizo mucho por el club en el pasado. Pero ya no está en el nivel que una vez estuvo. El hecho de que el club no se dé cuenta de esto es sorprendente... Y el hecho de que se niegue, es decir, Rakitic, a considerar irse es aún más sorprendente. Arturo, Arturo Vidal es otro. Además de su experiencia, tiene 33 años y no muestra signos de hacerse más joven. Hay que, dar, hay que darles más tiempo a los jóvenes como Ricky Puig y hay que dar prio, prio, prioridad, prioridad, perdónenme, a los fondos para mejorar el mediocampo. Algo que ahora es difícil con la pandemia, obviamente, pero deben los... Eh, lo que quise decir con los fondos, perdón, es que deben manejar... Eh, deben en la, en la ventana de tres traspasos, deben 
se deben intentar comprar mediocampistas porque necesitan más necesitan mejores mediocampistas que no solo puedan crear, crear algo pero que sean más jóvenes que que, que tengan que se les vea que se les vea que de verdad son de clase mundial de categoría mundial y un ejemplo no va a pasar pero en Golocanté un en Golocanté con el Barcelona sería buenísimo esa es la diferencia entre un, un, un engolo canté y un rakitic. Un engolo canté ves que hace un en, 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 la, en la parte defensiva, en la parte táctica es un crack. Algo que ya no lo es tanto rakitic ni vidal por la edad. Entonces eso tienen que priorizar mediocampistas en la ventana de traspasos. Obviamente como dije ahí va a ser difícil con el covid 19, pero van a tener que hacerlo porque messi necesita la ayuda. En la defensa como en el ataque. Bueno, aunque la Champions League no vuelve hasta agosto el 7. Quería darles a ustedes mis predicciones. De lo que va a pasar en los últimos cuatro juegos de octavos. Bueno, el primero es León-Juventus. León le ganó 1-0 al Juventus en el Grupama Stadium. En Francia. Yo creo que León va, va a vencer al Juventus 2-1 en, en, en el juego de vuelta. Y va a terminar 2-2 en el marcador global. Eh, pero León gana por los goles de visitante. Eh, es una predicción bien, bien diferente. Porque la mayoría de gente muy seguramente va a decir que Juventus gana. Pero no sé. León... Va a, ir a, uh, va a ir a Italia y no le hicieron gol en Francia. Entonces el problema es que si la Juve hace un gol o si hace dos. Si, si llegan a hacer dos goles, estamos en el minuto 90 y el León hace uno, pierde el, la vuelta pero gana el, por, el, por los goles de visitante. Entonces el León tiene la ventaja en mi opinión, pero obviamente el ritmo lo hacen en la Juve porque está jugando todavía en la Liga. Real Madrid contra el City. Esta es otra predicción que los va a sorprender. Yo digo que aunque el, aunque el City les ganó 2-1 en el Bernabéu. Yo creo que el Real Madrid va a remontar al City. Y va a ganar el partido en el Etihad 3-2. Y va a estar 4-4 en, en el marcador global. Pero el Madrid gana otra vez por goles de visitante. Otra vez yo creo que eh, el Madrid va a ganar, pero va a ser un, un, un juego de varios goles. Porque el City cuando... Bueno, el City ha demostrado que no es muy bueno para pa perder ventajas grandes. Y perder perder juegos que necesitan ganar. En la, cuando la presión... Eh, en, a, al menos en Europa. Cuando, la presión, cuando hay mucha presión, pierden. Pero pierden con porque fallan en la defensa. En el ataque son muy buenos, pero van a fallar en la defensa, en mi opinión, otra vez. El Madrid va a ser 3, ellos van a ser 2 y pierden en el marcador global 4-4 por los goles de visitante. El Bayern de Múnich le ganó al Chelsea 3-0 en, en, en el primer juego entre, entre ambos equipos. 3-0 en Stamford Bridge. Entonces ya va a ser muy difícil para el Chelsea. Yo digo que el Bayern Múnich les gana... 2-1 en el Alliance Arena y 5-1 en el marcador global para avanzar a los cuartos de final, finales. Eh, y Napoli contra el Barcelona. Napoli 
Empató 1-1 en casa contra el Barcelona. Antoine Griezmann hizo el gol del Barça. Y Dries Mertens hizo el gol para el equipo de Napoli. Aunque el, Barcelona, aunque el Barcelona tiene el gol de visitante. Yo no confío en el mediocampo ni en la defensa del equipo. Y los catalanes yo creo que están... No van a estar, van a perder la liga antes de la Champions y eso los va a afectar mentalmente. Yo digo que Napoli gana 2-2 en el, y en el juego de vuelta y 3-3 en el marcador global y ganan otra vez por los goles de visitante. Bueno, juegos para ver mañana. Bueno, ya es hoy porque esto lo estoy grabando las, a la una de la mañana. Y... En la Premier, Brighton Hove Albion se enfrenta al Arsenal. Vamos a ver si el equipo de Miquel Arteta puede otra vez puede responder después de perder 3 después de perder 3 perder 3-0 al City. Perdió bien mal. En la liga no hay Barça ni Real, pero hay dos juegos muy buenos que les debes que les deben poner cuidado. El primero es Athletic Bilbao que se enfrenta al Real Betis. Eh, jugadores, hay jugadores muy buenos en ambos equipos El Athletic tiene Iñaki Williams Y el Iñaki Williams Yuri Berchiche Betis tiene el francés Nabil Fekir Y el otro juego es Atlético Madrid Valladolid eh, Este es muy bueno porque el, La pelea por el cuarto lugar en la liga Está muy muy bueno Y si el Atlético Madrid no llega a ganar El Getafe El Getafe o, o, empata con, o empatan puntos con el Atlético o se ponen enfrente del Atlético por un punto. Porque los dos están peleando por el cuarto lugar, el último lugar de la Champions League. Y no solo son ellos, son la Real Sociedad, Valencia. Entonces este partido tiene mucha... Los dos partidos, Atlético, eh, Valladolid y el juego del Getafe van a tener mucha importancia para el cuarto lugar. Y va a ser interesante, sería bien chévere ver a Getafe en la Champions League. Pero vamos a tener que ver lo que pasa. Damas y caballeros, les agradezco... Que eh, les agradezco que escucharon este podcast Mi Deporte en Dos Idiomas Gracias por escuchar este episodio De El Show Y los veo En el próximo episodio Adiós